Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo Season 2, Episode 6, and I am your host, Demetrius Malbro. And today on Data Protection Gumbo, I have the pleasure of speaking with Sam Curry, who is Chief Product and Security Officer of Cyber Reason. And Sam has over 25 years of IT security industry experience. He also served as Chief Technology and Security Officer at Arbor Networks, where he was responsible for the development and implementation of Arbor's technology, security, and innovation roadmap. So without further ado, let's go ahead and queue up the interview with Sam Kerr. Welcome to the Gumbo, Sam. How are you doing today? Great, great. Good to be here. Okay, great. It is awesome to have you on. And let's go ahead and jump into some questions here, if you don't mind. I'd love that. Uh, bring them on. Yeah. All right. So what is, I guess, some of the FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt that is out there surrounding ransomware and thieves actually holding your data for hostage? Well, uh, I think that the word that sums it up best is hype, right? Uh, or hyperbole. It's uh, uh, FUD is the is the use by vendors or sensationalists to try to scare you to try to alarm you and make you think the sky is falling. It's the focus on only the absolute worst that can happen. And, and frankly, it's tantamount to fear-mongering. And what we're hearing around uh, ransomware is this very you know, inflated uh, sense of fear. And uh, you know, I, 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 I'm, I fall just shy of calling it you know, trying to incite terror. Uh, but um, you would think when these things happen and uh, the latest piece of ransomware comes out that everybody's data is immediately in danger of irrevocable harm. And uh, it's the lack of rationality in the discourse, in the discussion, that is uh, most disturbing around FUD. Okay, great. So some, some of the FUD that's out there, it's, it's something that uh, I guess individuals should be worried about mm. ransomware, but uh, I guess it's more about education. So w- what do you think are the most important things that you know, one can do to minimize the effects of cyber attacks and also even ransomware? Yeah, I think it's important to realize that, that FUD isn't lying. It's just exaggerating. Um, everything that people say that, uh, that ransomware can do can be done, but the likelihood of it is very low. And, and you're spot on. This is an education issue. Um, there are some pretty simple, straightforward things people can do to get ready ahead of time. Um, the, the first is if you're, certainly if you're in the IT business, think about segmentation and think about... Uh, the opposite of what you may normally think about, which is some form of heterogeneity. In other words, the same piece of ransomware isn't going to take out everything at once. You don't have a single point of failure. And then the second is think about think of it in terms of resilience and recovery. That um, you know, I, I I'm reminded once uh, I I met these guys who were runners and they could run amazing distances, have a short rest, and then run more. And it occurred to me that health is in fact a reflection of how well you bounce back. And the same is true in this case, that you know, if, if someone's going to hold your data hostage, then don't let the, the, the holding of it have that kind of value. Make sure that you can recover, that you've got your backups, that they can be restored, that they can't be taken out by the same wave of ransomware or destructionware is the other thing we see uh, that comes along. So yes, there are disaster scenarios, but try to make your recovery time without having to pay the ransom if you can do it as short as possible and practice making it shorter and really 
exercise that muscle of how you recover from a disaster rather than being afraid of the disaster and cowering in the dark, if that makes sense. Okay, great. I, I heard my key word in there, which is backup. So, you know, yeah. I've been in backup and data, data protection for almost 20 years now. So I have mm -hmm. seen quite a bit happen. And uh, I have a presentation that I actually do at uh, some of the VMUGs, which is a ransomware presentation. And I actually go into uh, backups being immutable, the backups that we do mm -hmm. over, at, over at Rubric being immutable. And so I guess the question for you would be, I guess, how important is it for your backups to be immutable or maybe even air-gapped in uh, today's digital world? Yeah, so immutability is important, um, but also that you've got staged backups because uh, ransomware can be hiding for a while before it detonates. In other words, it can be sitting there in the backups themselves, right? right. So when you restore it, you don't want to be restoring the ransomware to just execute upon, upon restoration. And as something I keep in mind is that air-gapped networks are not air-gapped as a function of time 100%. And so make sure you understand the cycles of how they connect, how they get updates, and how they're serviced. Hmm. So I guess for our listeners, explain air gap to me. What, well, what exactly air, is it? Yeah, air, air gap means that there's a, a physical separation between um, two entities. In other words, that a network is not actually physically connected by cabling or wireless connection to the wider intranet or internet, or to a LAN or to the WAN and, and so on. So the idea is that the segment where you would store your backups is not immediately addressable by somebody who's you know, trolling your internal networks or coming over the internet, but they've got a physical separation that, frankly, electronics and physics just won't let them cross. The unfortunate thing is that those air gap networks need to recouple up almost like docking for a little bit and then they get their updates they get their upgrades they get their sync so the very fact that you can pass data across the gap means that while most of the time they're air gapped there are critical periods where certain protocols and certain communications are in fact possible and those can carry uh, viruses and can carry ransomware in particular okay awesome and also one other thing I guess dealing with um, like large stores of data that you have attached, uh, let's say it's a major corporation. So yeah. have, have you seen any NAS or network attached storage devices actually hacked by ransomware? Any instances where you've seen that? Um, I've seen them hacked, but not by ransomware. Um, I think it's important to understand that, um, you know, we as human beings, we think in binary terms, you know, things are all good or all bad, right? Um, very few shades of gray. And uh, frankly, security is all shades of gray, but security practitioners still seem to think in terms of good or bad. And, and that's unfortunate um, because the, the, you, know, you hear about ransomware and what it can do, and you immediately go to the disaster wildfire scenario or apocalyptic cataclysm coming uh, where everything is encrypted and, and, and people are, are stealing billions of dollars. The fact of the matter is that they're human beings, they have development labs, they make mistakes, as we've seen a few times. And their development cycles themselves are not perfect. Their distribution mechanisms take time. And so um, I, I would say that most of the bad guys 
are taking the lowest hanging fruit right now, which is to spread to the most common operating systems through the most common vulnerabilities, and that they're locking these things up and they're cashing out in the easiest ways they can, usually through a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin. Um, <clears throat> so they're not getting very sophisticated. They haven't yet turned their baleful glare on the air gap networks because for the most uh, those or network addressable storage, for the most part, um, you know, they may be IP protocols that are servicing it, but they haven't yet got to the point where they need to go after the storage and the backups. Frankly, most people are not doing their backups correctly and they're not doing their recovery correctly. And yes. so for like 90 plus percent, and, and I make the number, I, I joke sometimes 97% of all statistics are made up on the spot. But let's just say a very large number of the backups out there um, or, or targets out there aren't backing up in a way that is recoverable. And so when, when the data is encrypted by the attacker, and then is inaccessible for whatever purpose you want. As we saw with hospitals in the UK recently around WannaCry, for example, um, then they don't have to worry as an attacker that investment to get the small percentage of people who did their backups correctly on being able to get to the network addressable storage or the more complicated uh, situation of the you know costs crossing an air gap, they just don't have to do that. They can make enough money without having to do all that extra development and quality for the time being. And so... That's not to say that they can't. And if you're in a room full of security people and you say, don't worry, I've, you know, my NAS will take care of it because nobody's hacking that, um, and then somebody will say, but it could be hacked and then everybody will go, yes, good, evil, you know, the binary state. Oh, somebody has found a way to break this. But the reality is that most of these ransomware writers that are doing it for financial motivation um, have no interest in going after those who are the small percentage that have figured out the disaster recovery and business continuity and what have you. And that raises another interesting point, which is our job, in, in fact, as IT practitioners, and I include security within that, is to raise the cost to break and lower the likelihood that somebody will. And so do, <clears throat> do the segmentation right, do the resilience right, use NAS, use AirGap if you can, but make sure that you get into that healthy state of being able to recover as quickly as possible. Wow, Sam, that, there was so many nuggets in there. I know I, I talk too much. I man, I, I don't even, I don't know what to pull out as far as um, what you've discussed, but I, I really, really enjoyed that you mentioned Bitcoin because I think cryptocurrency right now is basically making history. Uh, I think Bitcoin went over $6,000 and mm -hmm. it went over 7000 and went up and now it's back down. I don't know what's going on, but <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's definitely something that I think individuals should definitely take a look at and uh, maybe even consider uh, dipping their toe into as far as um, uh, investing or maybe even buying a portion of some of these Bitcoins. So um, let's actually move on to the next question. So wh why do you think uh, cyber attacks have increased significantly in 2017? Well, um, <clears throat> we've seen both the, the prevalence of attacks go up and we've seen more players uh, in this game. Um, we've also seen uh, more serious attacks. And frankly, we've seen that even the largest of companies are rather arrogantly sitting in positions where they're not doing it correctly. It's 2017, people. Why are you not um, treating security as a proper discipline, funding it properly, and, and frankly, uh, dealing with the risk associated with it? I mean, it, it's past time. But I would say that the, the first, the easiest answer, Demetrius, is that, is that it is the most profitable for least risk. The easiest way to achieve your mission in, a, in, in the world now is a cyber way. If you're a nation state and um, let's say you've got basic military, it doesn't make sense to buy another jet 
that's going to cost you 20 million bucks with a $5,000 range. And uh, it's expensive and leaves holes in the ground that people can get angry about. When instead you could, for maybe a tenth of that cost, fund a world-class so, you know, cyber team and run no risks and hit anyone anywhere. Uh, places like North Korea are generating, uh, as I think some estimates I've seen, although there could be exaggeration here, of a quarter to a third of their GDP is coming from hacking, uh, hacking places like Bank of uh, Bangladesh and, and the bank hacks in Taiwan. Um, <clears throat> so it makes sense. I mean, the other thing that we're seeing, by the way, is there's a Cold War happening in, in the cyber world. Um, and again, I want to steer away from FUD. This is statement of fact. It's like talking about you know, diplomatic tensions. It doesn't mean the world, the sky is falling. But there is a Cold War going on where it sort of move and counter move. And we've seen it heat up. Uh, it used to be if you found a hacker in your networks, they suddenly abandoned their operation. Now they fight back. And we've seen Russia, we've seen Iran, we've seen North Korea and China, um, <clears throat> all using hacking as, as, as di you know, extending diplomacy by other means, was what Klaus Fitz called war once. You know, so um, I think this is here to stay, and I think it's going to continue. And it's unfortunate, but that is where 2017 has brought us. It's more attackers with more skills and defenders that are still playing the same old, have I bought my checkbox, you know, security, one U rack mountable device, instead of taking it like a real discipline. Also in my presentation, I do mention that um, the average salary for a legitimate software developer is about $69,000. A non-legitimate or mm -hmm. Arthur of ransomware, they make well over $100,000 a year. Yeah, that's a problem. Right. That, that, that is definitely a problem. But the way technology has advanced and cryptocurrency has actually opened the door for good as well as bad, you know, the world is digital and we're definitely going to have to uh, actually make some decisions and protect the data that we have out there. So, so what advice can you give to, let's say, a CIO or CISO, you know, who has been affected by ransomware? Well, um, I've said some of this quite publicly. Once somebody's been affected, um, they have some big problems. Uh, my advice is if you can avoid it, don't pay the ransom. Um, and, I, and I say that with all due respect. Now, having said that, it is a risk-based decision. Um, it is something that only you and the highest levels of your organization or company can in fact discuss and weigh the pros and cons of. It's a risk-based thing. Uh, I was talking to somebody the other day who said to me, um, quite publicly said, uh, you know, we should just make it illegal to pay ransoms because you're fueling the bad guys. I said, that, that sounds good. But if you work in a hospital and let's say you've got, I don't know, 10 operating rooms going and the data is not available and people will die right now, then what's a $50,000 ransom or a $100,000 ransom? And right. are you the one to make that call? Because um, I don't want to be. We need guidelines about how to do that. Um, I think... My advice to CIO or CISO is first to uh, really get the top levels of your company involved. Um, we just saw recently Uber had a $100,000 ransom to pay, which seems paltry for the 57 million uh, people's uh, data that, that, got kept, that got caught. And it would appear, at least from what we can see so far, that their executives weren't told by their CSO this was happening. That's a no-no. So CIO, C, you know, CIOs or CISOs who are affected um, impanel a risk-based discussion at the highest levels of your company. Avoid paying the ransom if you can and don't get caught a second time. And to everybody else, don't be that guy or gal. 
right? You know, men and women who are in the CISO position have a hard enough job. They should have done their homework ahead of time, as we as we discussed. Let's make sure that you have no single points of failure, and that you're resilient and can bounce back. And then you can laugh in the face of the ransom and say, I don't need you. My, my business can continue. Uh, this is really, really, really a big deal. Companies, even individuals, should be aware of it. And um, mm-hmm. no, we have and to have- do the policy now. Do, do it now. Right. You know, if you're hearing this podcast and you haven't, um, it's not hard. You, you could write down a policy, have a discussion at your next management team meeting, um, uh, talk to your legal counsel. And, and, and think about the scenario when, if, and if it happened, what you would do. And then um, that's a pretty straightforward conversation you should be able to introduce to any conversation. Do it now. Yes, and then there is cyber liability insurance that you can buy as well. So, you know, it's, um, they have some really fine print that, yes, mm-hmm. you actually have to have your system patched and updated. So you can't get away with it if you have that one patch that you didn't apply that came out about two weeks ago. So yep. uh, <laughs> that's And make sure you understand what they actually pay for um, because right. they will pay to recover, to, to restore the data. But usually that's where their liability ends. The damages that may be caused by its absence, that, that may be caused by its absence, may not be covered. And then the brand impact may not be covered, probably isn't covered. And then the ability to recover so that it can't happen again isn't covered. So, you know, I, I know one company um, I spoke to had a $125 million write down as a result of ransomware, and cyber insurance only covered $2 million of it. It's not going to help you. Mm, wow. So let, let's go ahead and jump one final question here. So I guess um, you've kind of already laid out some some nice nuggets and, and trails along mm-hmm. the uh, ransomware yellow brick road. Um, can you provide any interesting stories surrounding, I guess, companies, um, maybe not mentioning names, but mm. just being able to return to business as usual after being hacked? You know, any... Yeah. Yeah, I can. I mean, I, I know one company that had, had really thought through its redundancy very well. Uh, they got hit by some pretty bad ransomware that was actually quite targeted at them. And they were able to, with impunity, bounce back. The hardest thing they had to do, by the way, was the forensics to make sure that the recovered systems didn't have the same vulnerabilities, right? Because, and, and, and they were lucky. They only had about eight minutes of, of downtime as a result once they identified the problem, which took about 20 minutes. And then they could be on call. But eight minutes of interruption, say, every half hour to an hour would have been really bad. And so when it cycled through a couple hours later and hit them again, then they were able to capture the systems before they did the recovery and they were able to find out which vulnerabilities were affected and then it was, it was relatively trivial. Um, but the, the worst example I can think of is, in fact, NotPetya, which hit uh, um, the Ukraine and, and, and uh, a, lot of, a lot of folks around their economy because it posed as ransomware, making it seem like you could just pay a ransom. Right. The interesting thing about, about NotPetya was there was no one to pay and they hadn't set up even a payment mechanism. That was either a mistake on the coders' part who were using uh, essentially old code that made it look like ransomware or it was intentional to slow you down and think, hey, it's not so bad, we could pay the ransomware if we had to. Um, but that was actually technically destructionware. Uh, but the, the stories are out there and just keep in mind as you read them, don't, don't fall into the... My, I'll give you an example. My, my wife, and I hope she doesn't listen to this, uh, was watching one of those movies late at night, which had like an abduction, and I was on the road, and she got terrified because then, of course, every, every, every knock on the window by a leaf and suddenly is somebody trying to get in and abduct the kids, right? Um, <clears throat> just be, be aware of that, that, that. These are examinations of what could happen. 
but the probability or possibility could be relatively low. And your job as a, as, as a security person or an IT person or as a manager is to manage risk and to understand that likelihood and figure out a real responsible business strategy. So just that way back to the beginning of our conversation here, just watch out for the FUD. Um, and, and if it sounds absolutely terrifying, realize that unless, unless the worst happens, today is going to be a day like any other. Deal with this like you would any other business problem. Yes, make make sure you are prepared. Um, you know, do do your legwork. You know, have those discussions in those meetings, and make sure that you actually cover each and every point to make sure that your environment is resilient. Make sure you have a disaster recovery plan. Make sure you're doing your backups. That is the most important thing that you can do. So, uh, Sam, I really appreciate you coming on the show. We have some some great. Uh, bits of information that you have shared about ransomware and your experiences around it. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, my, my pleasure. You, thank thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. I appreciate each and every one of you. I would like for you to check out the website, dataprotectiongumbo.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at dmalbro, or you can uh, link up with me on LinkedIn. Thank you so much. Have a great one. <laughs>